So we're going to be dealing with this subject of racism. How many are excited this morning? Yeah. I mean, God's here to do something. I, you know, we realize that this morning. So we're going to read just one verse in Acts 2. You have it there in your bulletin. This is out of the New King James Version. Just one verse to open this. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were in one accord in one place. Father, we ask just a blessing today on the preaching and reading of your word. Anoint me, Lord. Open our hearts to what you want to say in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably come to realize that one of the uh, uh, foremost weapons that Satan uses against the church and against your family is the area of division. Satan's goal from the beginning of time has been to separate God's people. Separate them from God. Listen, everybody look up here and listen because refocus, right? Satan wants to divide your home. Husbands and wives, you're not on opposite teams. You're on the same side. Come on. Because some of you this morning, you're butting heads. And that's not of God. Whatever it takes to get in agreement, you need to get in agreement. So one of the number one weapons is that Satan uses is division. And the way he does that and plays it out in our day is this subject today we're talking about, racism. Probably more than ever before in my lifetime, we are hearing more about race, racism today than ever before. How many would agree with that? We're probably hearing more about that today than ever. And, and that can be good, but we're going to see there's a couple cautions as well here, okay? As usual, we can hear truth, but truth is often mixed with error. Matter of fact, I was talking to my brother a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about the error that's there. He said, you know, you can have 99, listen to this, 99% truth, and it's usually just 1% error. And that's all it takes, do you realize that, to get off the beaten path, to get off and away from God's word. So you may have 99% truth and 1% error, and you're still going to get off course. That's how Satan works again. So what we hear in the media today, this is your first fill-in, is not always true or accurate. Amen? You realize that, right? Not everything we hear in the media is true or accurate. So as believers, um, the premise of our whole lives, if you don't know it, is the premise of our whole life is that our life is to be based on truth and not error. Matter of fact, if you don't build that into your regular prayer life, um, you may easily get off error. Pastor just got done ministering on um, the armor that we're to wear, and what's the belt? The belt of truth. Truth is to be an integral part of our life. So knowing that, let's move forward here. So what is racism? You're going to have a couple fill-ins here right up front. Racism, racism is about making quick judgments on the characteristics of a race to rate them as inferior or superior, demonstrating partiality or bias. So fill that in. That's partiality or bias. Now, it's important to understand what we're talking about here. 
The next film, there's two primary sins you're going to see that are involved with racism. Number one is the sin of prejudice, or really what prejudice is, is prejudging, and also the pride or the sin of pride. So prejudice and pride, you can remember those two P words there. Racism is based on prejudice against other races. Um, you could also add, and this is where we're going to throw out a couple cautions here, but um, you could add, as it is in our day and age today, that you know you can have prejudice or you can have racism by looking at someone else, and before you ever get to know them, maybe because of the length of their hair, that was true, they used to talk about that in the 60s, you know, um, or the color of their skin, or the car they drive, or the neighborhood they live in. You could be prejudiced. Now, that type of prejudice exists, but what we're dealing with today um, is, is the racism that is of an entire race, hence the word racism. So there's a difference there. So let me ask you this, and feel free to raise your hand. Have you ever been in a place where someone prejudged you or was prejudiced against you? Let me see your hand. Probably at some point, all of us have. You know, we've talked about it before, and Pastor Owen said this before. You know, you don't even know some people, and they hate you already. That's true. And, and it, it's not only, it certainly is in a case that because as an American, we're Americans today, much of the world looks at us, and they spit on the ground. They don't like us. Just because you're an American, you go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, what did I do? Exactly. So if you've ever experienced that type of uh, behavior where someone prejudged you before they ever got to know you, you know the pain that's involved this with, uh, with this. And how did that make you feel? So uh, much as what is being said today in the media, I'll go back to this real quick, um, we're talking about skin color. You know, blacks and whites, that's, that's a huge part, although we hear it as well, that there are, there, there's a certain um, behavior that's very racist of, against those uh, that are of Eastern origin, some, you know, from different countries, China or North Korea, South Korea. Um, there are many people against Asians, they just have a bias against them. But the reality is, is that racism has existed really almost since the beginning of time. Not to minimize it, but when you look back through the Bible, I mean, you see big time between Jew and Gentile. I mean, just that very subject. Um, you remember when Jesus uh, came up and he was talking to the woman at the well? She was shocked because she was a Samaritan. And she said, what do you have to do with me? I'm, I'm a Samaritan, you know? And, and many of the Jews looked at the Samaritans like they were dogs. They were very low, low life. So this has gone on for a, a long time. Now, this is where I'm going to give a, a little bit of caution. There may be two or three cautions here, actually, that I give you. In our day and age today, there are those in our world that exist right now. It's happening right now. Those that are in positions of power, in other words, those that are involved with politics, not everyone, but some of them, that they actually, everybody look up here and listen so you understand this, okay? They want to stir up racism. They want to exaggerate racism. 
Not to say that it doesn't exist. It exists, but there are those who are using it in a, in a bad way to create a greater divide. Some of you understand that. Some of you may not. You know, I encourage you to pray about it and investigate it if you've not come to that, that place. But these people are sowing seeds of racism. And again, many are in political offices or positions of power. You know, we know that money can be power. And there are those that have money that are in a negative way using that for evil and exaggerating skin color, you know, division of, of the races. But I grew up with this uh, looking back in 1956. Now, I was born in 58. And, um, but I remember growing up with this, and I think it came from my dad. Um, I don't know where else it would have come from, but I, I remember him talking about this. Uh, Nikita Khrushchev made a prediction. Now, he was a leader in Russia at the time, 1956, and he said this. This is a quote. He says, we will take America without firing a shot. We do not have to invade the U.S., uh, we do not have to invade the U.S. We will destroy you from within. Folks, that is coming to pass right now. We are being destroyed from within this nation. And there are those somehow in the balance of power, in the existence of leadership, again, and money that Satan has, has used to really see that this gets pumped into our world today. America is being destroyed without one shot being fired. And one of the number, way, number one ways this is being done is through racism. Divide and conquer is what Satan has always operated uh, under. Um, it, and it's maybe hard because I've talked to people, and they're well-meaning, they're going, you know, I don't believe that. I don't believe that there is somebody who is purposely trying to do that. And my thought to you is, everybody gets to have an opinion, and that's fine. But I believe, and we see clearly, that there are those that are purposely dividing this nation, and they are in government offices, they are in positions of leadership, and unfortunately, even some under the guise of religion and church and even Christianity are buying into that because their life is not based on truth. Somehow, because they don't know the word, they've gotten off course when it comes to the word of God. So this money that's being pumped in, it, it, it's dividing the nation. But let me tell you something, it's dividing the church in money, many fronts as well. Many fronts that Satan's goal is to divide the church. Why? Because God's church is to be the number one influence to be salt and light in this world. Folks, if everybody understand this. If we're not shining as lights, if we're not the salt of the earth, it ain't going to happen. We are the only preserving force here in this corrupt world that we live in. And if we don't shine, you know, like Daniel talked about, the stars in the heaven, if we don't step up, you hear me, this is going to be overtaken. Evil will overtake good if God's people don't rise up in a good way. And I, I'm not talking about getting in hand-to-hand -hand combat here. No, I'm, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about being a witness. I'm talking about being a light. Can you say amen? I don't care where you live or where you work, 
God wants you to shine. God wants you to, to be his representative or to represent Jesus to your generation, to your family. I don't care if you're 15 or you're retired. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, God wants you to shine. That's just how he works. And if we don't, darkness will overtake the light. So this is another caution, okay? These people that are in these positions that are dividing, there's another key word that we hear. It's the word diversity. We hear it over and over. Diversity, all right? Um, we're told that we must approve or give our personal approval, and this is where the confusion comes in racism, um, that we're to approve bisexual behavior or homosexual behavior or children that today think that they should be a girl when they're a boy or they're a boy and they want to be a girl. We're told that we're supposed to support that, and if we don't, then we're racist. No. That is absolutely incorrect. That is not racism. To, the, to, to counter that or to the effect of this, um, we would say simply because you or I don't support that lifestyle does not make us racist or bigots. In no way, shape, or form. If you're truly born again, our goal is that we want to see those people blessed. We want to see people born into the kingdom of God and receive all that God has for them, we're willing to tell the truth versus those that just kind of shut up and don't say anything. There are sins of commission that we commit, but there are sins of omission where we don't talk up enough. We omit in that conversation with a coworker or somebody just to say, hey, hey just understand, they may be talking about you know, bisexual, homosexual, and everything that's going on. They say, look, uh, I don't hate those people. I love those people. Amen? If you're truly born again, you're going to love them. Because before we were ever saved, the Bible says Jesus loved us while we were yet sinners. Now, it's true. Some may have gone to that place in Romans 1 that talks about their reprobate mind, but I don't know where that is always. And we've seen it in our church here where those that have been shared the gospel with that were you know, cross-dressers and, you know, going on, uh, you know, that have made a decision to come to Christ and leave that lifestyle. We don't know where God's going to do that. The Bible says the wind of the Spirit blows wherever it wants to. I don't know where he's blowing today. But we can be part of that plan by being the salt and light that we should be there. So if we look at the subject of racism, we'll see this in a moment. I'm going to make a statement here. And, and, and just bottom line, racism should be non-existent in the body of Christ. How many of you say that is true according to the Word of God? Racism should be non-existent in the body of Christ. Or that is to say, listen to this, but going back to our definition, we are not to make quick judgments on the characteristics of people just because of their race okay, of where they live or where they come from that are inferior, they're superior um, to us or other people. So again, when we're talking about prejudice, we're talking about prejudging. We judge someone before we ever know them. I mean, you know, look at your neighbor and go, hmm, 
You may not know that person across the aisle from you, but you look at them and go, mm-hmm. I know, I know their type. Have you ever heard that? I know their type. Well, do you? Are you just saying that, or do you know factually? And, and this is a point we want to make, too. We need to, to divide just maybe opinions from what we know is truth. That is, that is the line I, I, uh, uh, that we cross. And I've come in my lifetime to realize the words of Reverend Martin Luther King. Something he said, and I quote, he said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Folks, this is how we are to operate if we look at an overview of the New Testament especially. Um, we are to look at people, and it's okay to form an opinion, but it needs to be based on the content of character. You follow that? What's on the inside? Now, some of us have no problem with that. But I guarantee you, some of us do. Some of us do. If we see someone of a different ethnicity, we go, oh, I know their type. And of course, sometimes they say that about you. Yeah, you white, you know, whatever you are. We see it going both ways. It isn't just one way. It has happened. The content of character. Okay, another caution here that we put out. So sometimes, you know, um, we're going along. If you're driving your car and your tire drops off the edge of the road, you, know, you hear rumble strips or you're on, you know, if, there's, if you're in the county, you can drop off. Oh, man, I need to correct, right? We need to correct and bring it back on the road. Sometimes there's an accident caused because people overcorrect. You understand that? The same thing is happening in the area of racism. Some people, and I'm sure some of them mean well, but I know there are others that are purposely using this to stir up greater division, is that some people have overcorrected, and now certain ethnic groups, whether they commit crimes that we know that aren't just judgments, but there are crimes against you know, our legal system, people just want to overlook that. Wrong. People need to be judged according to what they do. So that's a caution that we can't overcorrect. Again, well-meaning people seem to want to do this. They just want to look and say, well, you know, uh, we'll let them out of jail or we're not going to prosecute. Or, and we're finding what happens. They go right back and they commit the same crime again. Hello. Doesn't that make sense that if their heart wasn't changed or their life or their behavior hasn't changed, they're going to go right back and do the same thing. So we need to be careful about we're trying to do the right thing, but we don't want to overcorrect and miss the Word of God on the other side of this. Does that make sense? So Bible says when the day of Pentecost had fully come in Acts, they were with one accord in one place. Now I like those words. One accord in one place. Now certain versions don't use that, but but I, I like the truth that's in that because it embraces the goal of uniting us as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter uh, what our skin color is, right? It doesn't matter what country we were born in. If we know Christ, we know Christ. That's our brother and sister in the Lord. So if you know Christ as your Savior, 
there's no way that you'll allow racism to exist or prejudice to exist in your life. We're commanded, and it's in your uh, bulletin there, Matthew 7, uh, verses 1 and 2, very clearly it says, do not judge others, right? Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you'll be treated, look at that, you'll be treated as you treat others. What a powerful truth that is. The standard, look at that word standard, underline it, you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Whoa. What happened to us this last week, was that the result of how we treated somebody else? Not saying every time, but that's true. We have only been reaping what we had already sown. So, folks, we better watch our heart condition. Amen? Watch our heart condition. Do not judge others. You will not be judged. What a powerful statement. You may remember this passage uh, in Acts 10. Some of you have read or, or, or studied the book of Acts. In Acts 10, simultaneously, God was speaking to Cornelius, who is a, a Gentile, and at the same time, he's speaking to Peter. And he gives Peter that vision where he lets that net or that sheet out of the sky. And inside that net is all these unclean things. And Peter's saying, oh, Lord, I, I would never eat those things. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Jew. I'm a real Jew. I ain't touching that stuff. And God, in that vision, in that dream, he says what he has blessed, what he has provided isn't unclean. And what he was saying to Peter was that Gentiles now would be welcome into the family of God. And so Cornelius sends for Peter, and Peter meets up, and he gives this, this whole uh, word and, and, uh, that Peter gave to this Gentile, with which there was great division. There was racism that existed there. And in Acts 10, 34, in your bulletin there, then Peter replied, I see very clearly, wasn't guessing, or second guessing, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Hello. In every, what? Nation. Not just in the U.S., not just in Germany, not just in Iraq, but every nation in the world. He accepts those who fear him and do what is right. What's the qualification here? Note what it is. People, whoever, wherever they are, that number one, fear God, and number two, do what is right. That, that's the qualification Peter uses here. You look in Galatians, the next verse there on your outline, Galatians 3, 27 through 29. Listen to this, it's powerful. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. For as many of you, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to promise. In other words, when people submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and they get saved, we are just put into the family of God. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. 
It doesn't matter again the family you were raised in or the country you were raised in. Man, <laughs> they're our brother and they're our sister. One more scripture in Ephesians 2.14. If you don't believe it, listen to what it says. It says, He, Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made two groups, amen, into one. And He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. That can only come about as people are born again. And it will not happen until people are born again. But we're called where the two actually become one. And I will tell you my personal testimony. Some of you may share something similar to this. My personal testimony. I was raised up in northwest Indiana. I was raised in the Crown Point area, but our dealings, uh, matter of fact, our original address was Crown Point, and then it was changed to Merrillville. But all of our dealings were in the city called Gary. I remember Gary, that regional city up there. And as a kid, I remember being there, and even as a young uh, teen, and uh, Gary was a beautiful city. Those of you that are old enough to remember that, Gary was a beautiful city. I mean, they had parks, they had commerce, they had, uh, they had doctors and hospitals, and I mean, it was a thriving place. But then somewhere in the late 60s into the early 70s, things went south, actually to the point that Gary uh, was called... Uh, by per capita, it was the murder capital of the U.S. There was so much crime and so much murder. How I many remember seeing that or hearing that? Again, you may be a little older to remember it. But many people in that area um, blamed the blacks that had moved in to Gary. And as a result, there was a lot of racism. And I will tell you, some of that fell on me as a teenager. But something happened when I got saved. When I got born again, man, God took that away from me. Anybody else? When I got born again, God, he, he rebirthed me by the Spirit of God. And that divide that was there and that prejudice and hate sometimes, God lifted that off, off of me. And I can tell you, it is my testimony that since that time, I've been in worship services with blacks and uh, Hispanics and Asians and really anybody, all Indians from India. Um, it didn't matter what color their skin was. Man, we were just worshiping the Lord. I didn't think once about the color of their skin. Anybody else know what I'm talking about here this morning? See, amen, I believe it's just not me. It's just not what happened to me. It should happen to everybody. When you get born again, you are born again. I don't care what size of the track you were born on or, you know, I mean, different cities have different dividing lines. And it, it just doesn't matter. If you're born again, man, you can worship together, you know, and, and, and you're, just the, you're just children of God. And what God did is he brought freedom to me. Amen? Because, see, when you're racist and caught up in racism, you're in bondage. You're bound up. And when you get saved, there's a newfound freedom. I don't have to, you know, look down on somebody else. To the contrary, the Bible says, I should be in a lowly position. I should be the one humbled 
I should be the one putting others before myself. Over and over we read this uh, in, in the scriptures. So what is the antidote here? What actually happens when we get born again? Here's the, the antidote, what I call the antidote that comes. It's God's love. It's the love of God that operates within us. Uh, it's not just love because, you know, in the 60s, baby, we all had love, right? It wasn't God's love, but they called it love. Not God's love, but then when God's love comes in, totally, totally different what happens. So this is the next filling on your outline. The love of God is, amen, transforming. It's transforming. You cannot come to know Christ as your Savior, as your personal Savior, and not have the, have the love of God on the inside of you change your personality entirely. Revamp it. Redo it. Destroy the old and bring in the new. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says this. Either way, it's on your outline there. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Do you get that? Instead, they will, number one, live for Christ who died and raised for them. If you live for Christ, you're not going to live for yourself. You're going to live for other people. So when you get saved, what happens? That verse tells us the love of God controls us. I ask you today, what's controlling you? Legitimate question. Who or what is controlling you? If God's love isn't controlling you, you might want to go back and recheck to see if you're actually born again. Because it makes no difference who you are or where you come from. The Word of God is the Word of God. And God's love will control you. In that control, we die. We die to our old self. And we begin to live for Christ. And as a result of that, we, in fact, do live for other people. So this, these things are, are key to understanding the antidote for racism. Check your own life. Check your own heart. And this is what I, I like to see about God's love. God's love allows you to change and grow into the person he wants you to be. Amen? How many of you experienced that this morning? God's love will allow you to change and grow into the person that he wants you to be. God's love is a love that loves us just as we are. But, and we've said this, and pastors said it, but it's so important that we get this point. God's love, when we get it, God loves us enough to not leave us as we are, but to change us into what he wants us to be. If you are of some other opinion, it is not the truth. It is not based on the fact of what God's Word actually says. He wants to see you grow. He wants to see me grow and change for the better. For the better. Jesus died for that very reason. So how does, how does love transform us? When filled with God's, your fill in there is love. 
when God's love fills us, listen to this, we can do, listen, and see and understand things that we were blinded to before. If you don't have God's love operating inside of you, you're blinded to the rest of what God wants to show you. God's love, people, is transforming. It transforms you and makes you across the body of Christ consistently into the image of Christ to be the man or woman of God God has called you to be. So if you don't have God's love, you're blinded. When we're filled with God's love, you can endure pain. You can endure hardship. You can stop fear. You can forgive freely. Um, you can avoid contention. You can have your strength renewed. You can bless and help other people. But it's only when God's love is operational inside of us. Every day we need a fresh filling of God's love. Amen? Every day in this crazy world we live in, upside down, inside out, yeah, it's true. You know, you just listen to what some of the, the news is saying. It's pretty negative a lot of times. Sometimes truth is presented. Sometimes it's not presented, depending on where you listen. But when you're in your quality, quiet time with God every day, man, he's going to renew and pour out his love in you. Mind you now, is the caution we said earlier, everybody listen, the caution we had earlier is that love doesn't cause us to overlook just sin. Sometimes sin needs to be called out. If you love your child enough, the Bible says you will discipline them. See, some people think parental love says, oh, little Johnny, I know you just kicked your sister in the shin, but you know what? We love you. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Little Johnny's not going to change, right? The Bible says that those whom God loves, he disciplines. Well, that goes against the new generational mantra that's out there. Those whom God loves, he's disciplined. How many have been disciplined recently by Jesus? Three of us, Okay. I mean, it hurts sometimes, but, you know, we, we just have to accept it and say, man, God loves me enough to change me. <laughs> change who I am to be who he is. God's love changes everything. I like John 13, 34, and 35. It says, as John says, and, and so I'm giving a new commandment to you, Jesus, actually. He says, love each other just as much as I love you. Your strong love for each other will prove, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When people look at us, man, they got to see the difference in us. We all have bad days. We all have ups and downs. Sometimes we're not on our best behavior. Sometimes we get cranky. Give that person that nudge note. Don't nudge them next to you. We all have days like that, but here's the thing. I've said this for years, and I believe this. Oh, and I saw you. Oh, I, I mixed elbows there, sorry. Um, that for generations and, and years, I've said this, that, you know, when God's love gets on the inside of us, it, it changes us to be 
When we do something we know is wrong, not just be quiet and act like it didn't exist, but to go to that person or those people and say, you know what, I shouldn't have acted that way. I was wrong. That isn't the love of God operating in me. How many have ever done that before? Four of us, okay. If you don't, that's how it operates. This world isn't looking for perfect people. They're looking for people who are willing to go, I was wrong. I was just wrong. I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have acted that way. <laughs> and that's what's going to make a difference. People go, oh, hardly anybody does that. Right? It makes a difference. One of the best examples we see in the New Testament of the, the Apostle Paul. Right? The Apostle Paul, he hated Christians. He hated Christians. And what happens? He's going along, he's getting ready to persecute and pick on more Christians, even put some of them to death. He's going along, what does God do? On the Damascus Road, God comes along, he's not very gentle, not very kind about it. He just wallops the, you know, his name was Saul at the time, upside the spiritual head, and he knocks him over, knocks him off uh, the animal he's riding on, and blinds him. He goes blind. And can you imagine, you're driving to work one day, all of a sudden you lose your vision. I pull over right away. And, and God, through that, gets his attention to the point where not only does the Apostle Paul change his way that he's living, but he also becomes the very people he was persecuting. He becomes a Christian. Man, so that tells us something. Everybody look up here. You got somebody in your life that you think they're a hard nut to crack? You think, man, that person is never going to come to Jesus. I bet you, you know, if I was a betting man, that those around the Apostle Paul, if somebody came up to him and said, hey, watch this, just in a couple days, God's going to turn that one that hates you into one of you. And they'd say, yeah, right. That's exactly how some of us think. think. Some of us from the South there, thank. All of us thank that... Um, some of us think that way where we go, God can never save John or Jim or Betty or whoever it is. But man, God's in the saving business. He can save anybody. And that's an example to us. And when he does, wow, what a change comes. Look at Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Now, you've got uh, a little different rendering. I think this is the ESV here. So I'm going to read it from there and what I had in my notes. Um, so it says, there are six things that the Lord hates. You get that? Six things that the Lord hates. Everybody hear it? He hates them. All right? Seven that are an abomination to him. Number one, he talks them. Haughty eyes. Number two, a lying spirit. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord amongst his brother. So look at this. He, he addresses pride, one of the sins of racism, and, and he, he addresses the other, the prejudice, you know, the, the discord that is sown between us. God hates pride, and he hates that division that comes as a result of our heart that we are racist and, and, and prideful against other people. 
And of course, Proverbs 16 and 18, one of, I think one of the most powerful verses on, on pride in the ESV said, pride goes before what? And a haughty spirit before a fall. So this is something, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before, before a fall. So, so what is it? What is pride? Real quick as we're closing here. Listen to this. It's self-respect or improper and excessive self-esteem known as conceit or arrogance. Pride can be defined as elevating one's opinions and thoughts above God's authoritative word. Let me say that again. What is pride? Self-respect or improper and excessive self-esteem. That's where we hear so much about self-esteem. Well, they have poor self-esteem. That's why they act the way they do. They have self-esteem. If they just had better, you know, better view of themselves, they'd be better. There's some truth in that, right? But again, people go overboard on that, and they miss the real sense of how we're to see ourselves, how God sees us versus their self-esteem, their self, their self being exalted above what God says we should be and above God's word. So what's going to happen here in closing? What happens when God's people remove racism? We've said it a hundred times. Jesus talked about it, a house divided. Folks, everybody listen, look up here. United we stand, divided we fall. Man, I tell you what, it's been in my heart, and, and I've asked God recently, how should I be praying for our nation in this terrible time that we're in? Folks, we're in bad times. We're in evil times like we've never known, especially in our generation, maybe, maybe in the entire history of the U.S. Not in the, the world, but at least in the U.S. Man, these are turbulent times. And God has led me, how should I pray? God, unite the churches, forget the denominational barriers, and let us get an agreement on your word. Folks, if the church would get together and rise up and rid ourselves of sins like racism, man, whew, what a power, what a powerhouse the church would be. And that's exactly what happens. Deuteronomy 32 and 30 says one will put a thousand to flight, but two will put 10,000 to flight. We see that. And in the, in the book of Acts, you know, we read what happens in Acts 2, 43 through 47. The Bible says a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs. Listen, we want to see the power of God fall. Let's get an agreement. Let's, let's get in agreement with our brothers and sisters. And, and I know pastor and our pastors meet with other churches. You know, I've done it in other cities where I've pastored. It didn't matter what color of the skin anybody was. They just, we just got together. We worshiped together. We agreed on the word of God. Man, that's where miracles are going to happen. Amen? You want to see it, this is how it's going to take place. And, and a practical outworking the final verse there, 47, says, and each day, the Bible says, listen, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Every day people were getting saved. People were getting saved. When racism fell, when people came into one accord and worshiped together, 
the power of God fell. Let's bow our heads this morning, if you would. Just right where you're at. Is, is this subject hitting home in your heart? Is this subject making you uncomfortable? Is God speaking to you today? Do you have that opinion that you form against someone before you ever get to know them and go, man, I know what kind they are. Listen, God wants to move this morning. As we close today, this needs to be our prayer. We just need to say something as simple as this. God, I realize I have fallen to the sin of racism. God, I ask you to come in and change me like you did the Apostle Paul. Change me. Let me have a rebirth. If that's you, I ask right now with your head bowed, if you'd just say that prayer just to yourself, something like that. God, change me. Forgive me of the sin of racism. And as we're closing this morning, maybe you've been here. And you say, well, I've been in the church 40 years. I've been saved for 25 years. But yet, you still have these opinions that you form against people of different races. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you need to go back and look at your salvation experience. Was there a point in time when you decided to die for your, to yourself and live for Christ? Did that happen in your life? If you just got water sprinkled on you somewhere, you were baptized and that never took place, that doesn't mean anything. You got wet. But you need to be born again. Father, right now across this place, if there be one person here or two people, that they may be thinking they're saved, but they're not due to the evidence in their own life. I pray that before they lay their head on the pillow tonight to go to sleep, They'll come to that realization, Lord, and they would surrender themselves completely to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you this morning as you're dismissed. Let the word of God operate in your life. Amen.